0: Let me invite you to take your Bibles out again and in turn keep them open to Galatians chapter 3. Several years ago, gospel singer Andre Crouch had a song titled, I Didn't Think That It Could Be. And the lyrics of that song capture the essence of Galatians chapter 3 verses 1 through 5. The lyrics go like this, Somebody told me of the joy they had, and somebody told me that in sorrow they could be glad. Then they told me once they were bound, but now set free. But I didn't think it could be until it happened to me. But now I can tell you of the joy I have. And now I can tell you that in sorrow I can be glad. And now I can tell you once I was bound, but now set free. But you'll never know that it's true until it happens to you. You'll never know that's true. No. I didn't think it could be. No, you'll never know that it's true until it happens to you. Friend, that's exactly what Paul is trying to get the Galatians, Galatian believers to understand. That it happened to them. And at first they rejoiced because of the fact that they had personally experienced Salvation through faith in Christ alone. Until someone is saved by faith, their concept of salvation will be built on a foundation of works, on a list of do's and don'ts. And if I do enough of the right things and don't do any of the wrong things, then somehow God will accept me. The natural mind has no concept of grace. There's no concept of faith but with a personal experience with God the truth of justification by faith alone is confirmed. Here in this uh, letter of Paul to the church at Galatia. There were some influential Judaizers who had come into the church. They had joined the churches throughout the area of Galatia. And these folks were knowledgeable, uh, they were capable. Uh, They were uh, talented, you might say, in the things of God. And as a result, these believers in Galatia, um, as so many churches are uh, prone to do sometimes and and to do it sometimes in error, they put these Judaizers in positions of leadership and teaching. However, these new members, these Judaizers that were in the church and had been given these responsibilities of leadership and teaching had either never been truly converted or else their understanding of the gospel was confused because they began to teach that faith alone in Christ alone was not enough to save a person. That a person had to follow their faith in Christ with the basic ritual of religion, uh, circumcision, and then focus his or her life upon the law in order to become acceptable to God. Well, as a result, a good number of believers in the Galatian churches bought into this false teaching And uh, and they had lost the joy of their salvation. They had lost the freedom of their salvation. And they had returned deceived to the uncertainty and the bondage of a self-imposed legalism. They had also projected to the unbelievers around them that Christianity was a matter of law rather than faith having received a new life in christ by faith they had been persuaded now to live out their new lives by the old way of works and paul simply cannot believe that this is happening to these believers um uh, and that's why he writes there um uh, o foolish uh galatians who has bewitched you the key to this section is in the word in verse four. Look down in verse four. That word "suffer." Paul says, "Did you suffer so many things in vain?" The word there in the Greek can be translated "experience." And so, what Paul is saying is, "Did you experience so many things in vain? Um, did you? Um, uh, did you?" Uh, Experience all of this that has happened to you and now you're going back to your old ways. Did you learn nothing from your experience with God? Paul reminds the Galatians of their own personal spiritual experience with each member of the Godhead as proof that one is justified by faith Alone in Christ. All a believer has to do is rethink his own personal experience and they will see the truth that one is justified by faith and not by work. So here's what I want you to take from the message this morning. I want you to think about and then take with you from this text this morning, and that is the believer's personal spiritual experience with each member of the Godhead verifies the gospel of grace. Paul speaks here about the three members of the Godhead, the Trinity, Um, and the believer's personal experience with each member of the Trinity to prove the validity of justification by faith alone. First of all, we see our experience with God the Son. In verse one, Paul pulls no punches in his sharp rebuke to the Galatians. Look what it says there. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? And then look what it says. It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul was incredulous. He's beyond himself. He cannot believe this is happening. Um, uh, he cannot believe what these Galatian believers had done. They had been victimized by Satan and they had been enticed to slip away from the truth by which they had been saved and to buy into this false teaching of these Judaizers who had come along and said, yeah, salvation is by faith, but you have to add this, to it they were especially foolish because they had had the privilege they had been honored to sit under Paul's teaching whose very heartbeat was the gospel of grace now that Greek word translated foolish describes mindless or thoughtless actions The Galatians were not ignorant. They weren't, um, uh, um, you know, uh, it's not like they had the knowledge. Paul is saying, you're foolish. You're not thinking right. You're out of your minds to turn from Christ's once-for-all sacrifice for sin. It's insane to turn aside to their own works and to push aside the finished work of christ on the cross how many times do we do that we tell people you all you have to do is just put your faith and trust in jesus christ and his work on the cross and then lo and behold a person does that and after they're saved after they're baptized we come along and say now if you're really saved you will do these things and then we have our own little checklist that we add. Paul says, don't buy into that. The believers in Galatia believed Christ, um, had believed in uh, Christ through faith. And now they were buying into this false teaching. Um, uh, they weren't stupid. They weren't ignorant. They were just not using their heads Well, what caused them to act so foolishly? Paul says they were bewitched. That implies that a spell or a hex had been cast on them. Paul's point is only somebody under the influence of a spiritual power would abandon the doctrine of salvation by faith for a salvation based on works. The legalist deception was so potent that they were able to perform what amounted to an illusion. On these new believers there in Galatia and like many believers today they had been victimized by Satan and enticed to slip away from the truth of the gospel they had pulled the Galatians attention away from truth the true focus of their salvation which was Christ person and work to something else entirely and that is the law and their own works of self-righteousness. How could they be so foolish and bewitched as not to obey the truth? Especially when they had clearly seen and understood the death of Jesus Christ through Paul's preaching. Look what it says in the latter part of verse one. This is important. I want you to see this. Paul says, It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Now, this portrayal was achieved through preaching, the preaching of the gospel. Paul isn't referring here to a literal picture, but a metaphorical one. In, uh, In essence, he is saying the meaning of Christ's death was made As clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross with your own eyes. Paul says, when you you heard the gospel taught, when you heard the gospel proclaimed, the Holy Spirit worked in your mind, in your heart, and it is as if all of the events of Christ's historical sacrifice and resurrection became so real to you that it was internalized and you could see it with spiritual eyes and you understood the exact meaning of what jesus had done and paul says it was before your eyes you saw it clearly friend listen a christian is not someone who knows about jesus but one who has seen jesus it's not enough just to know the historical facts about the Lord Jesus Christ, not enough just to know um, that Jesus died and rose again three days later. In other words, our hearts are moved when we see not just that Jesus died, but that he died for us, that he died for me, that in my sins what when I could not do for myself, Jesus did for me. We are saved when the Holy Spirit opens our minds and our hearts through a clear and powerful presentation of the gospel which presents the work of Christ on our behalf and we internalize the truth of the gospel. And I bet I could go around this room this morning and for everyone who is saved, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, I bet you, you can reflect back on that moment, on that occasion, on that day in that service in that bible study in that witnessing encounter when somebody was uh, sharing the gospel with you you can remember all of a sudden the scales fell off your eyes as it were and you became um, uh, aware of the truth of the gospel like you had never uh, seen it or understood it before and for the first time in your life you knew that God in his love uh, had saved you because of what Jesus did on the cross and you cried out in faith Lord save me that's what Paul is saying here Paul is saying, look, the gospel was presented to you. The gospel was preached to you in such power. It's as if you saw Christ crucified with your own eyes. It's as if you could see it and uh, understand it, uh, just as if you had been there that day and actually seen Jesus on the cross. Paul says, now, how can you now... Turn from that real experience, that real encounter with Christ, that spiritual encounter with Christ. And how can you now turn from that and think that there is something you must do now to add to what Jesus did for you on the cross? Paul says our experience with God the Son is evidence enough that we are justified by faith alone and not by works. That's what happened to these Galatians through Paul's preaching. That's why Paul can't believe they would be so foolish to set that aside for the unscriptural teaching of the Judaizers. Their personal spiritual experience with God the Son through the powerful presentation of the gospel proves the validity of justification by faith alone. There's a second thing I want you to appeal, a second thing. Paul's next appeals to our experience with God the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in verses two through three. Paul says, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit? Now, in verse one, he's talking about Christ, God the Son. Now he's talking about the Holy Spirit, God the Spirit. He says, did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, don't you remember what the Spirit accomplished in your lives when you trusted in Christ for salvation? Did you have to fulfill some further requirements or go through some special ceremony? Or did you receive the Spirit of God by God's grace At the same time, you receive Christ as Savior and Lord. You see, the question was rhetorical, and the answer is obvious. They receive the righteousness of Christ. When we put our faith and trust in Christ and his finished work on the cross, we are Uh, receive the righteousness of Christ he takes our sins upon himself in exchange he gives us his righteousness but that's not the only thing we receive at salvation folks at salvation you also receive the Holy Spirit the fullness of the Spirit at the same time Friend, the gift of the Holy Spirit is the Christian's most unmistakable evidence of God's acceptance. It's the greatest proof of salvation and the guarantee of our eternal glory. Listen to what Paul says. In Romans chapter 8, verse 16, Paul says, "...the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God." Um, John writes in 1st John chapter 4 verse 13 by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit it is can I just say this I know some of you may have come out of some charismatic churches and um, I know that there are some well-meaning charismatic believers and Pentecostal brethren that I think the world of. But I just want to say this morning that it is unscriptural to claim, as some Christian groups do, that the full gift of the Holy Spirit comes through an additional work or experience. You get all of the Holy Spirit at the moment of conversion. All of Him. You are filled with the Spirit. A person does not have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. A person who does not have the Holy Spirit, listen, does not need a second blessing. What they need is salvation. Paul says, do you not remember... That at the moment of your conversion, the, did, have you forgotten that you started with the Spirit? Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, are you so foolish having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Paul explained to the Ephesian believers in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, having believed in him, in Christ, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Friend, the Holy Spirit is not the goal of the Christian life. He is the source of the Christian life. There is no Christian life without the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who performs the work of salvation in a believer's heart. The Holy Spirit is not the product of faithful living. He is the power behind faithful living. A higher level of living does not bring the Holy Spirit, but rather submission to the Holy Spirit who already indwells the believer Includes a higher level of living. So, in other words, what Paul wants us to understand is, is that you don't need to do anything else to win God's approval. You are already approved by God. You've been accepted by God. You have a picture of Christ and his finished work on the cross. At the moment of your conversion, you understood, you saw with spiritual eyes the sacrifice of Christ, and you recognized and understood what his death meant for you as a sinner in need of God's forgiveness. And at the same time that you received Christ, righteousness, you receive the fullness of God's Holy Spirit. And it's the Holy Spirit living in us as believers who enables us to live the life that God has called us to live. You don't need somebody else's list of do's and don'ts. The only person you need to listen to after conversion is the Holy Spirit. Now, that doesn't mean that you blow off everything anybody ever says to you about living the Christian life. That's not what I'm implying. What I am implying is, is that the Holy Spirit works through the Bible, works through God called teachers and preachers and parents and grandparents and other people in our life, other mentors. God works through those people, but he will never work in such a way that there is a requirement upon you that the Bible never talks about, and the Bible never requires. Paul continues in verse three. He said, are you, fo- are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? In other words, how could you think that you're weak imperfect, still sinful flesh (laughs) could improve on what the Holy Spirit began in you when you first believed. Drifting from the provisions of grace into the efforts of law, Paul says is foolish. Think about it this way. Does a butterfly, having been transformed to live a new life and equipped with beautiful wings, continue to live as a caterpillar? No. Does it say to itself, "Well, I've been transformed. I'm, I'm different. I must do my best now to be a butterfly. I will crawl up this stem and gnaw on these leaves." No. That would be foolish. It would be crazy. No, that butterfly does not crawl up a stem and eat leaves. That butterfly spreads its wings, takes off with the next rising air currents and flies wherever it wants and lands on somewhere in a field and eats from the nectar of the flowers. It has new life. It has a new function. And the new life cannot be lived on the principles of the old life. A butterfly cannot function and live from what it was when it was a caterpillar. Paul says, neither can the Christian. You cannot today be saved by faith. Having received the righteousness of Christ and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. You cannot, it is ridiculous to now go back to your old sinful life and think that what you need to improve, what you need to function is to make sure you live by all these do's and don'ts that you tried to do and you failed miserably before you got saved. I wish y'all were charismatic. Y'all'd be shouting right now. (laughs) Seriously, it bothers me as a pastor that so many Christians are walking around with this heavy burden of guilt and shame. They're almost as if they're in bondage still. And God wants us to experience. The full liberty that comes in being a follower of Jesus Christ and being filled with the Spirit of God. Friend, we are saved by trusting Christ. We have new life in Jesus. The Holy Spirit indwells our hearts. Why would we go back to the old ineffective life of works? It didn't work when we were sinners seeking salvation, and it won't work now that we are believers seeking sanctification. If we began our salvation by the Spirit, we cannot be made perfect by the flesh. The Holy Spirit came to indwell us by faith, and that same Holy Spirit is working in us, enabling us to grow in the Christian life. All we must do is simply surrender ourselves. And don't forget what Paul has already reminded these Galatians in verse 20 of chapter 2, that if we have died with Christ. Christ it is no longer I who live but it is Christ who lives in me how does Christ live in me through the Holy Spirit Paul says all those things that people are saying you need to do and uh, the way you need to act and all those do's and don'ts don't worry about all that if you're filled with the Spirit of God if you truly died to your old life guess what The Holy Spirit himself will take care of all the things that you need to do. Your attitude, your actions, your character, your conduct, all of that will be under the control of the Holy Spirit. Why would we replace the work of the Spirit with living in the power of our old works? Friend, you can only live the Christian life by the Holy Spirit in reliance upon his presence and his power. We began the Christian life by the Spirit of God. We must continue the Christian life by the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit may use various spiritual disciplines to do His work, such as Bible study, prayer, worship, evangelism, serving, stewardship, fasting, journaling. You just go on and on and on. Those things are not bad things in and of themselves. But... They are very good things, but the Holy Spirit takes those things to develop our spiritual maturity. Those tools may be components of the Christian life, but listen, they are not in themselves sources of life. You can read your Bible every day, all day long. You can uh, come to church every Sunday. You can give uh, your time, your talents, your money. You can do all of those things. But if it's not done in the power of the Holy Spirit, it will gain you nothing. That is not what changes us. It's the power of the Holy Spirit working through those things that changes us and makes us more like Christ. The Holy Spirit is all you need for salvation and the Holy Spirit is all you need for growth in the Christian life. Well, look in the third place. Um, Justification by faith is proved by our experience with God the Father. Look in verse five. Paul says, does he, referring to God, who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you? Does he do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? In other words, does God give you his Holy Spirit and does God work powerfully in your life because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? Now, notice this verse is in the present tense. It focuses on what God has done and continues to do for the Christian. The word supplies there in the Greek means to provide abundantly, to provide with great generosity. You see, God generously gives his spirit and he demonstrates his power among us every day. Paul wanted his Galatian friends, these new believers, these converts who had come to know Christ through Paul's witness and Paul's teaching and preaching. He wants them to remember the Christian life is a supernatural life that can be explained only in terms of God. The only explanation for the Christian life is God. No such thing could be claimed by the kind of life the Judaizers were pushing. What was supernatural about getting circumcised? What was supernatural about observing the Sabbath? What's supernatural about abstaining from certain kinds of foods? In fact, what was supernatural about the Judaizers themselves? When pioneering a new mission field, did they see... Miracles and signs being performed. Paul says, no, there's nothing supernatural about their religion. It's man made. Whereas we've seen it, we've experienced it, and you've witnessed it yourself. The power of God at work in people's lives, in your lives, and in the spread of the gospel. God has shown himself powerful through signs and miracles. Paul knew the Judaizers had done nothing of the kind. All they had was a rule book filled with endless do's and don'ts, all to be performed in the energy of the flesh. And it was centered on man. But Christianity is all about God. It's all about God. Friend, let me ask you this question. Would you rather enjoy the results of your own efforts to please God or take pleasure in the result of Christ's finished work on the cross for you? That's what Paul is trying to get you to understand. You're not working anymore to attain God's approval, to win God's approval. He's already said, I approve of you. I accept you. Now, with the Holy Spirit living in us, we are able to live the life we always wanted to live before we became a Christian, we're able to do it not in our own effort, not through our power, not through our ability, but through the Spirit's power and His ability. That's why Paul would later say, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And on another occasion, I can do all things through Christ who lives in me. Paul's argument for justification by faith is powerful. If the Galatians had received salvation through faith in the work of Christ, if they had received the fullness of the Holy Spirit at the same moment they believed And if they have the power of God working within them, how could they now hope to improve that by their own efforts? Friend, you yourself, if you're a believer, you are the most reliable proof for the fact that we are justified by faith alone at your conversion, when you were saved, you personally experienced all three members of the Godhead. You experienced God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his death on the cross. God opened up your eyes so that you could see Jesus as he hung there on the cross in your mind you can see it and whereas before it was just a historical fact an historical reality that yes cognitively you trusted you believed actually happened but when the holy spirit works in your heart and in your mind and you can see the crucifixion of Jesus and his resurrection through the preaching of God's word through the witness of a believer to you and when God opens up your mind and heart to see that when Jesus was hanging on the cross he was hanging dying for you as well as anyone else Paul says how can you now go back and believe something different than the fact that when Jesus was there, you saw him with your spiritual eyes. You believed that as he hung there on the cross, he was dying not just for the sins of the world, he was dying also for you. And then at that same moment, you experienced the Holy Spirit, and His fullness in your life, and you began to experience God the Father and His awesome power at work in you. Paul would say that your personal spiritual experience with each member of the Godhead verifies the gospel of grace. Friend, don't ever let anyone tell you that you must add this or that to your faith in order to be saved. Don't fall prey to someone else's list of do's and don'ts. Just trust in the fact that by God's grace, he has called you to himself and through your faith in Jesus Christ, his son, he has saved you. And now as a child of God, You have the Holy Spirit living in you who enables you to live the life of holiness and righteousness and purity that you wanted to live back when, when you were trying on your own to please God. But now you're pleasing to God, but now you want to show him how truly grateful you are that the life you have today is not because of any of your thing on your part, but it's all been given to you by God. And it is His free gift to us. And so your personal experience itself verifies the gospel of God's grace. Don't ever forget You have been saved by faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today for your word, and God, I just thank you that when we couldn't do for ourselves, you did for us that even today those of us who've accepted Christ as our Savior and Lord it's not up to us it doesn't depend upon how faithful we are to do these things or not do those things but it's just a matter of simply trusting that the Holy Spirit lives within us and we have access to His fullness and His power. And if we'll just allow Him, He will live the life of Jesus in us and through us so that without any real effort on our part other than just surrender to Him we will begin to see the changes in our life that are totally unexplainable to us because when we tried in our own efforts we failed time after time after time but we begin to see as the Holy Spirit takes control And as we see Jesus there on the cross again, as we reflect back on his death, we're reminded of what sin cost Jesus. And the Holy Spirit convicts us and enables us to see how bad sin really is. And in surrender to the Spirit, We simply allow Him to take over. To take over our minds, our thoughts, our heart, our feelings, our bodies, the way we live, the way we conduct ourselves. And before we realize it, we look at who we are and we think back to who we were before we came to know Christ. And we are simply amazed at the transformation, at the difference. And we know we can take no glory for it. It is all of God. And for that, we are grateful. We ask this all in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen.